Hello and welcome to another episode of the Fraserburgh Cricket Club Chronicles. My name is Andrew Henderson and this is the podcast where I talk to members of the Brock Cricket Club to hear stories about their time in cricket and specifically playing for Fraserburgh. If you've listened to the last few episodes, then welcome back. If this is your first time listening to the podcast, you picked a great one to start with because my guest today is the club legend that is Ian Watson, and that's really not overstating it whatsoever. For such a long time, the name Ian Watson has been synonymous with Fraserburgh Cricket Club, and he is probably the single most decorated player in the club's history. I say probably, I don't think anybody else would even come all that close, to be honest with you. He was a little bit coy about talking about his individual achievements throughout this episode, so I wanted to make sure that I listed them all off here. Here we go, deep breath. He won the Grade 2 Bowling Average in 1958, the Grade 2 Batting Average in 1960, the Grade 1 Bowling and Batting Average in 1970, that was some year for him. He won the Grade 3 Batting Average in 1980, the Grade 2 Bowling Average in 1981, as well as being part of the side that won Grade 2 in 1958, 1960, and the 1973 Aberdeenshire Cup and the 1976 Bon Accord Cup. He also became club president in 2005, only stepping down a year or two ago, and really when we made this podcast, when we were starting to come up with the idea of what this podcast would be, we knew that we had to get Ian Watson on, otherwise it just wouldn't work. So here we are, it's finally time, it's been more than enough of me talking and this first part of it. Here is my chat with the man himself, Ian Watson. Let's start off then with how you first got into cricket, if you can remember that far back. Oh gosh, I, well I, I started uh really Fraserburgh Academy yeah? and at that time uh, teachers actually took uh, sport and everything after the school was over you know so the Fraserburgh Academy would have been a start and uh, obviously we had the, the matches like uh, you know like Mormon the kind of other houses you can know, the different houses up at the academy maybe mm. there was when you were there as well was there? yeah yeah there's a few ah, ah. So I was Mormon, you see, so I got started probably at about, about 12 then. But I had uh, some other influences. Uh, I had a brother-in-law who played a wee bit of cricket, which I didn't care much about, but I was maybe 8 or 10 at that time, and I seen him play on a few times. I was further down south, like, you know. So that's a flavour of the thing before I come to the academy, but I was dead keen to get cracking with the cricket at the academy. So it was 19... Well, I was at Academy from 1953 to 1956. <laughs> so how did you go from school then to Fraserburgh Cricket Club? Well, I think it was... Uh, I, I can't... There was a cricket club in Fraserburgh. I've seen the first things I, f- I found out. But there was one or two folk that among the teachers were keen. They, can, they, they obviously saw my play and another I said, you know what you want to do the cricket club, you see? So I went, I went doing the credit club, that would been about 1955, I think, so it was before I left the academy, went doing uh, the credit club and uh, made welcome there, again. Okay? And there was a number of young folk I started about the same time, yeah? you wouldn't have any of the names, it wouldn't mean anything to you, but guy called Russell Blair and Stuart Kenny and Jimmy Mill, and I, so there was, a, there was a number of us at that time, I probably encouraged by the one or two of the school teachers who did this thing, did their sport after uh, after the school was finished. You know, that's a thing of the past, you know, but teachers used to do that. 
uh, uh, kinderen naar sport. En veel help het volk heeft daar een school, het pleegwerkgevers nog een heeft daar een school als ze eigen, families. So there was, there was a bit of encouragement there for the school teachers to say, just go do it and see if it like. And I did that along with some of the other ones as well. And like you say, that's not really something that happens now, certainly not on a, a regular basis. That No, there's no cricket at the school at all, you see, no. No. There hasn't been cricket at the school for quite a long time. Uh, but there has been efforts made uh, to get uh, kids at the primary school uh, involved in, in cricket. I'm not kind of aware of that, I know, Andrew. Uh, yeah, Alan Rennie going round and, and doing the... Oh, the Alan Rennie does all his bits and pieces. And it's actually something that we've carried on as a club. Well, it's 14 years it's been going. Mm. And it's the catchment schools for Fraserburgh Academy that Alan brings on and sees again. And there's about 10 uh, primary schools are, are catchment areas for Fraserburgh Academy. So, but it's certainly, it's been a, a great help. You know what I mean? By encouraging youngsters, boys and girls, to, 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 to play the sevens. You can, quick cricket, as, as they call it. That's kind of kept the coin job. But, but uh, as far as the academy is concerned, there's been no cricket really uh, for donkey's years. <laughs> So what was the, the cricket culture like at that point, I suppose? Was it a, a pretty commonly played thing back then? Well, uh, if you're really going back historically, and uh, just just before my time even, even <laughs> uh, the, there was a lot of cricket played in the Brock. Uh, the, the, the local trades league and so on. This is way back in the 30s, unemployment times and things like that. A lot of football, mere football was being played, but also in the summer, a lot of cricket was being played. So the tool works and all that kind of things, I had teams again in a, in, a, in, a, in a Wednesday night league. So there was a lot of cricket going on. And also, of course, the Fraserburgh Cricket Club, uh, well, you can with the history of that, like, but uh, I kept up uh, the interest in, uh, in the cricket, like, you know, for 1862, which was the start of it. I don't mind that bit, by the way. <laughs> I wouldn't expect you to, don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> but there was, there was a lot of interest. And it, the strange thing about it, if I really took it for the back of the war, and uh, the guys that were there, a guy called George Duncan was there. Now, he was... He was a guy working the tool works, but it was a long, a strong connection between the tool works and cricket in the Broch. You can, when I come, got involved in it, you can, uh, there was uh, quite a lot of four or five, maybe even more than that, a folk who worked in the tool works, play, also played uh, cricket in the, in the team, most, most, uh, most days again. So there was a lot of interest through the, through the, uh, through the works. And the works had a team's and the, the summer league kind of style, you know, the captains against the Millers and whatever. So they, they had the they had the seven side cricket, you know. So and a lot of them hadn't played seriously, but they just come along in their, their department team or so on. So there was a bit of cricket going on in the, in the Broch uh, among adults, but it was mainly to do with the time I got involved. It was mainly to do with the tool works, like you know. Right. So, do you remember what your your first impressions of the club were when you went along? Oh, the the the, the club itself had gone through a a phase, I think, where a lot of the older ones had come in. The club restarted in nineteen forty five, forty six, apparently, and right up until uh, till, uh, 
mid-50s, a lot of these folk had been playing during the war and then carried on after the war, but a lot of them were coming to the end of their playing life, if you like. So there was a there was a kind of need to get a lot more folk involved in the Saturdays, again, playing in the Saturdays. And uh, that happened We had all these young folk that come down and put my time for the academy, you know, again, and then some of them stuck playing, you know, with, with the club and so on. So there was, a, there was about four or five ones that had been in since the back of the war, if you like, you know. <laughs> and uh, and then there was a scene, so they were coming to an end, of, and then in the mid-50s there was, there was a lot of injuries coming in, that one, including Basel and that again, so that's how it worked. So was it pretty easy then for you to decide whether you'd be a batsman or a bowler because it was a whole new generation coming through? Well, it was a whole new generation. We were coming doing in practice and regularly and uh, there was a generation all coming doing, heading test out at the academy and then coming doing in uh, practicing uh, two nights a week usually and uh, all sorts of things went on with sort of games and, you know, within the club itself, you can. Mm. And uh, I did a wee bit of bowling at the academy, you know, so I got I had a fair bit of experience by the time I, uh, I left the academy, bowling and batting, like, you know, so... That was, was half a handy coming to it, the club. <laughs> you say it's it's half a handy. You're not wrong because you went on to win the Grade 2 bowling average in 1958 and that was only a couple of years after you went down. <laughs> oh, well, it must have been all pretty poor then. <laughs> <laughs> you got into it quickly, though. Oh, I got into it quickly because I was half interested in it, you know, and if, if you're dead keen in something and you really put your heart into it, you know, you can you can start to, well, you, you begin to make progress. You can, it's like in any sport, I suppose, if you if you see some end product, you can come in and you could take some wickets or whatever, or, or score some runs or whatever it was, you could, uh, you could uh, carry on. The game at that time, by the way, in the grade, this was in the grades, uh, they started at 2 o'clock in the afternoon on a Saturday and they finished at 7.30. So they were timed matches. It wasn't this overs game that they play in the in the last 20, 30 years. It was a, a time game. And the reason it started at 2 o'clock, a lot of folk had to work on a Saturday morning. Right. So a lot of the Aberdeen teams and all the teams run about in Varuri and all the rest of it, they, they couldn't really... Uh, nowadays they come through at one o'clock and it's a 90 over match or whatever it is but, but in these old days they, 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 they get themselves organised work in the morning and then come and do it uh, after travelling or whatever and that allowed teams to come through for Aberdeen and the rest of it the game started at 2 o'clock and it finished at 7.30 so that was uh, the league uh, uh, how's it work at then in the early in the 60s uh, in, the, in the 70s, right into the 70s, actually. So how did that work? Was it literally just one team got half the time to bat, or was it a bit... Oh, yeah, there was a, there was a kind of penalty if you batted too long, like, you know, there was still a kind of onus on the team to, you know, to try and give a share. You could roughly work with, it was going to be about 80 or 90 overs game, but it was never an overs game, it was never an overs game. But uh, you try to get another team, obviously, if the team... One it wasn't bad. You try to get them out, and of course, if you beat the score, that was the end of the game. But as uh, an only game, but uh, uh, there was a, a kind of yeah, gentlemen's agreement. But there was a, usually tried to work away till tea. There was a tea break, again. so the game started at two, and you sort of you had a it looked almost conventionally like a five o'clock stop or a half 
quarter to five stop half for half anywhere and then usually the other team batted for the second half of the game you know what I mean yeah so it was, uh, it, was uh, it worked it worked but it uh, depended an awful lot and uh, and I'd be playing a game like you know what I mean yeah you wanted to, you, you, but there was a, a penalty on you if it finished a draw and you had batted more than your uh, more than half a time you understand what I mean? So it was a time game as opposed to overs game. Okay? But it was interesting. It's a thing of the past, of course, but uh, that, uh, it was interesting. But it, it was something that you did pretty well in both you personally and the club at that point. Like I say, you won the, the grade two Willen average in 58. You won the grade two batting average in 1960 and Fraserburgh were up in grade one pretty quickly. After one season, and right down again. Two... Uh, uh, 1960, we went up, I think, into grade one, and we came right down again. And it was simply because we had so many young lads playing our team that some of the teams that had been in grade one for a good while, and they were mostly the Aberdeen area, Kintour, and places like that, uh, in Veruri, they, they were, they were mere, mere uh, sustained, like they can, mm. or father eyes, young, young, young lads. So we learned pretty quick. So why not? Thing right up into under grade one, as you say, uh, we come right rumbling right down again. We came up the following season, by the way, again, and then we beat up in grade one till 1975. Fifteen years we beat up in grade one. So, how important was that one season in terms of of teaching you what it took to stay there? I think it was very important because we were a bit naive, really. Okay? We were a bit, I would say there were six of the team on six. Seven, six or seven of the team would have been under 18 or 19 or something like that and so we're a great lot of young folk are coming in together you know and uh, we'd only played against what you were playing against you can't I mean you weren't you playing against a slightly higher level mm. you understand what I mean yeah. and uh, it took a wee minute I think uh, I think we took about half the season to realise that hey uh, what <laughs> they're not going to lie over and, and die <laughs> they're going to try and beat us <laughs> So I think we 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 learned, uh, but I think uh, the following season here, you got in a bump in the nose, and we're right down into grade two again. We come right up into grade one. We be there after that because I think with more experience, the, the, the lads that come up in it were more experienced and uh, so on. Yeah. More with it if you like. Yeah, I was looking through the the history of you know what leagues and what years the club had had been in them. Most of the time after the war, Fraserburgh had been in Grade 1 until around about the time you started playing. Was there an expectation that you should be in Grade 1 at that point? I think there was a bit of a discussion. A lot of people didn't like to come with a 40-mile route to Fraserburgh again. It was a bigger job then to come out. So I think there might have been a bit of a resistance for the, for the clubs that were run about the Aberdeen area, you know. Even in Varuri and places like that, kind of, but uh, there was a kind of when they re- reorganised the leagues a number of times. You can they, they, they changed the in fact there was four grades at one time and so on and so forth. But I think that uh, uh, we, we went into grade one uh, probably in the early fifties. Was it? I, I, I wouldn't have kept that because I didn't come into it. But we were, we were certainly in grade two when I when the. And uh, a number of the young lads all came in together in the mid fifties. Yeah, I'm, as I say, I've got it. I've actually got it up in front of me. Fraserburgh were Grade One from forty-seven, which was the first year 
you know, proper league cricket started after the war, through to 55, they got relegated. So it would have been just as you guys were coming in. That's right. So it was, and, and not only did it happen when we were relegated, but a lot of the other boys had played since the war, or just after the war, were kind of packing up, you know, and retiring. Mm. So there was that gap or that opening for a lot of younger reigns to come into the team. You can. It wasn't a question of uh, whether we'd come in or not. It was, my goodness, let's, let's get an of these young lads into the team. You know what I mean? So I think that, that was, uh, in a way, it was a transition for the club as well at that time. Sure. Do you mentioned there was maybe a bit of resistance from the Aberdeen clubs and, and some of them that weren't as close. There was also a bucking league around well, about yes, that I, time. Uh, it was Wednesday nights, uh, uh, and they played, uh, there was a, a Bodum and Ellen and... Oh, I kind of mind them all, but Turf was involved in it as well, and so on and so forth. There was Peterhead uh, and the RAF I'd say as Peterhead, well. RAF, RAF Bodum was it was involved as well. Oh, yeah, it was a it was a, a Buchan uh, a Cup, uh, the Buchan League and the Cup. That was Wednesdays, but that was a bit uh, iffy as well. Sometimes it happened, sometimes it didn't happen. You know I mean, it, so it wasn't a consistently uh, playing every every year, if you like. Sure. Okay. But how useful was that when it was on? <laughs> it was okay because it was it was limited. That was overs now because that was had to be limited because it was an evening. You can sure, and you got travel there. And again, people were working at time to left at five o'clock. Often in the in the work work pattern would have been that. You see, so you got there. It was maybe half past six, so you got started. So you couldn't start too early in the year because you'd be pitch dark. <laughs> in, in May, for example, you'd be too too long if you you know played a, say, a three hour match. It was roughly a three hour match. You had to look for, but it was uh, it was overs that was played there anyway. Mm-hmm. So we're talking about being in, in getting up to grade one and the whole culture around then. You were there obviously the whole way through the six days. And right. you, you came pretty close to winning grade one a couple of times as well. I'm seeing second yeah. in 1961, third in 1965. So you coped well the second time around. I think I think we were twice second, I think, in one stab, I think. But I, 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 I haven't got the records in front of me, but we, were, there was, uh, we, we could beat most teams except... Uh, well, we could beat Kintour, very often beat Kintour, but Kintour won the league a number of times during about that period of time, if you look. Maybe maybe they didn't got that there. Uh, no, no. Kintour was a winner. <laughs> that's terrible, that. If you niggas, oh, that's just terrible. That's what you're no, Kintour, most teams couldn't beat Kintour. We could. Mm. But it wasn't enough for us to overtake them in the league. In other words, uh, they were knocking everything in front of them, like at that time, kicking to her. And we were just, uh, we could beat them, but we could, <laughs> but uh, nobody else could beat them. So uh, it was fascinating stuff. You're right, you did finish second again, but I, I, I wanted to come on to that slightly separately because that was into the 70s. You're second in oh, right. 1972. But you personally also won the batting and bowling average in 1970. Oh, that's right. Oh, I think it was something like that. <laughs> what what clicked for you that year? I think they forgot to cut the grass, and with, with the grass being off a lung, I was able to bowl, <laughs> bowl into the grass and hide the ball before I had the wickets and things like that. No, no. I think it was just a, a good season for the club, actually, that year. Again, we got a bit of a resurgence. Strangely enough, it comes in... In batches, you get people 
a lot of, if you understand about club at uh, people start to tend to play into the, up till they're about 18, 19, and they want to ever into college or forever. And you're maybe lucky if you get them back, kind of take a summer job or whatever. So you, you've kind of a perpetual need to bring in one or two players, young players, who you can, you're going to lose. You know what I mean? Because I, either through the university or on to other employment, because you're not going to get employment in Fraserburgh. Hmm. So there, there was a, there's a kind of been a, a sort of continuous kind of thing of bringing young folk through. And then uh, uh, some of them come back and get employed here, but very few of them do, actually Aberdeen and then beyond, you can for a lot of them. So if, if we got them all together, uh, I said that, some, so I think it was a while back in that time we, were, we played well that year. If we did that, three or four of the guys we had, we had lost, to game, some of them were in Edinburgh and various other places. If we got them all together in one game, we'd have, we'd have walked a, a, an awful lot of teams. I think we'd have won the league that year. Yeah. But we'd lost them. You came to me and they were all, but they were still, some of them were still playing cricket, which is great. Can yeah. you used to get word for them all up for their summer holidays or whatever and said, oh, still play again. And all this. And so we were interested. No, it's because we were interested to see people carrying on playing cricket. You can got an interest in the broch and then they'd moved on and, and still carried on playing, which is good. So were there still guys in the team in the late 60s, early 70s that you broken in with in the mid-50s? Yeah, there was there was some of them. I that was uh, there was a few of the, the the local ones. Why had ones coming through? You can uh, mainly between the age of fifteen and nineteen, the ones that were were coming through, and then it tended to be that if we wanted for further education, either through the university or whatever, or even just employment, they were, they were very often. Uh, not able to get back and things like that, you know, or only played occasionally for us and so on and so forth. That, that's been a pattern all the time. I think the fact that we're uh, about well, we're 40 miles for the for Aberdeen, that was the first point of call, if you like, for for possible employment for folk and, and obviously university and so on. So we've we've always had to bring in young folk if we can at the, at the other end, which is normally 15, 16, you know. And I think that's still the case through today, to oh, be it's fair. Still, it's still the case, oh, it's still the case. Oh, oh. OK, so I've come in my notes now to 1973, which was... Oh, my God. It, it was a big year for the club. Finished third in grade oh. one, but probably more importantly... Well, maybe you won't see it like this, but you got the Shand Award from the Aberdeenshire grades because the club won the Aberdeenshire Cup. That's right. What's your, your memories of that cup run? Oh, I was... It was amazing. Uh, we never really did all that well in a cup, actually, strangely enough. Uh, but that year, a few things. Uh, we beat Colts in the semi-final, I remember at Colts, and that was a key game. And I remember uh, it throwing a bar for the boundary. It got as a guy who had about oh, 50 odd, and he was getting a right bloody pain. We couldn't get rid of him. Again. And uh, a man throwing a bar for the boundary, and it struck a wicket. And he was must he must have been about a fat out or something like that. But I mean, it's something something stuck in your mind again. That was a semi final, and we said, God, if I'm going to hit a look like that, you know, and uh, we, we beat Colts well at, at semi final game, and then we were kind of keyed up 
uh, and I mean the earlier rounds, but again we beat uh, Colts in the semi-final at Colts, and then uh, we, we went to obviously the Manor Field, which was a great occasion for the uh, for the lads, and uh, it was uh, St Ronalds we played in the in the final, and uh, it was a really good game. We, we can't, uh, St Ronald won a toss and batted first, and we held them till about about 100 I think it was I think it was maybe exactly 100 they had in their 40 overs which we thought was really good because at Moneyfield it's a good pitch if you get in if you, so there's no long grass here mm. <laughs> and uh, so and then we we obviously uh, knocked off the score uh, probably in about uh, 20 22 overs or 23 overs or something like that and, uh, and a guy called Watson but not me Dave Watson was a bobby at the broch at that time uh, came in and scored 60 odd in about, uh, oh, about seven overs or something like that which was amazing and he won the man of the match Dave Watson in the final of the, uh, the cup at the Manifield I did not know that I've got the team but I couldn't have told you that <laughs> oh well I was, I was out at Duck, Russell Blair I used to open the bat in my hand he uh, he, he was facing the ball and, and he cracked the ball straight to the best fielder at, 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 at uh, cover point and the boy just threw the through in the wickets before I get to the end so I was a duck but I took five wickets so I did contribute to the first half of the game I think I was about five for 40 or something like that so I had ball missed the game at one end and took five wickets for 40 which was handy to keep the score down to 100 you can mm. And then, uh, when, I, when I come in to open the bat and with Russell Blair covered her, and then again, he just, he, he told me after, he says, he just, he hit the bar so well. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It, it, he just, I mean, I couldn't believe he was coming up the wicket towards me again. And of course, the boy run me out like, you know, through straight the wickets. So it was me saying, I'm going to get some runs here. Oh, settled. We've got them out for 100. Let's get on with and then uh, suddenly, about five minutes later, uh, uh, you know, the button with Russell. I thought, oh, you just did that. I, I apologise now, the rest of it. After, there was no way it was a run, ever a run there again. Then the first over of the game or the second over of the game or something daft like that again. But uh, we'll forgive him. We'll forgive him. <laughs> it's, it's maybe taken you a few years, but you've forgiven him. <laughs> well, he's dead and away from everything now. Like, but uh, Russell Blair was a. He was our wicketkeeper for many years. A uh, good player he was. Uh, he played football for the Baroque as well, Russell Blair. So. Looking through the, the team for that 73 Cup final, a few of the guys were still about for the 76 Bon Accord Cup final as well, which Fraserburgh also won. But by that That's point, right. you were captain. So how were things different for you a couple of years later? I think... Uh, 75 is a year I was relegated, and that's, as far as I'm concerned, was important because within two years I won in the Cup, we m- must have lost a number of players. I've never actually sat down and looked at it, but we had a lot of um, folk come to St. Fergus and places like that, and they came through and they started playing. Now, we didn't, we didn't care what they could do and what they couldn't do and all this kind of stuff. So we had a pretty poor season. And we got relegated in 75, I think it was. Mm-hmm. So it must have been 76. We won a go Gold Cup. Well, okay, let's, let's cover the relegation first. Then. Was it all just down to players leaving, basically? I, I think, well, well, I think we, we'd have a bit of turnover of players. Again, we lost some of our best players. 
and uh, and there was a usual look uh, Eric Massey, you know, that young Eric Massey went away to college, and well, a few more went to college, and so on. Uh, McCollum's brother Neil McCollum played. So a few of the folk who really played well in the. Uh, later on, we, we lost him for that season. There was a great subject employment out in Fergus, and I think that's the first time we've really had a, you know, a big input can for a certain particular thing. And again, what was the the contractors out there or whatever, or maybe somebody from St Fergus had invited a few. But we had about four or four, four or five of the team in a year who we were relegated. Uh, were playing regularly in the team uh, and I think quite honestly it, it wasn't very good and we were all sort of most of them were ex, ex-players out of Academy, you know where they were just uh, oh well here came a cricket to set in and, and so I think that was the only time I can remember for we kind of lost a bit of the thread a while okay. where we thought that the well it's all right in hindsight, isn't it, looking back? But uh, uh, do you can Marshall Bell at all? Uh, I know the name, and obviously the Sevens is named after him. Oh, yeah, that's right. Well, Marshall was captain at one and only year. He was captain. And he had a lot of connections at uh, St. Fergus and that. He played squash at St. Fergus, you know, and I think he he tried to attract someone to come through to play for the Broch. But quite honestly, yeah. Probably three or four of them shouldn't have really been playing. <laughs> uh, it didn't help, that way. Sure. Try to be, try to be polite about it, but uh, we never made the same mistake again. Like we just said, no, no. Let's uh, be fair. A lot of the younger lads weren't available, and some of them had left the area and so on and so forth. So there was a gap there that needed to be filled. So I would have preferred to fill it mostly by young folk rather than taking somebody who. You say I've preferred to fill it with younger guys. Do you think that was because of how you came into the team and being yeah, around? But there was a, there's always a resurgence, you see. What, what happened with the four or five that came in in, 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 in the 50s, that was replicated again in the 60s. And it was replicated again to some extent in the 70s. You got me? So there was, there was a. I thought we were losing the young lads and I weren't staying very long because of the thing I was telling you about going to college and then mm-hmm. you know, leaving the area or something. We all were getting other ones coming in through. And, and and as long as we positioned them well and we gave them encouragement and so on, we could see progress. A lot of times we, we, we kind of built teams again. You can't come in. But uh, that that was a, a period for we won the cup, 70, 73, in 75 were relegated now I would have said there was only about five of the team that played in the cup final was playing in 75 for the team that was in 73 if you understand what I'm saying yeah it's a big turnover big turnover too much really and we didn't really care what these guys in St. Fergus could offer so what was happening was Marshall because he was he was captain for I mean I'm not on anything but just just an experience and everything been a captain and maybe overrating some of these guys. They say, "Oh, you go in and bowl," and you kind of, and you could see it. You could you, you could almost watch for the sidelines and say, "Oh, no, no, this is not going to work." Again. And it didn't work. And we got we got work them up again. <laughs> not really good. But you did manage to turn things around at least 
enough to win the Barnacord Cup, like I was saying, in oh, yes, 76. I, I, so so I, what changed between 75 and 76 there? Well, I think well, St. Fergus guys disappeared by and large, right? So I left a hole again, and we had to try and work harder to get some of the students to come back and play and so on. Uh, you know, we, we just put a harder job. Instead of a hard job to get folk for St. Fergus to play, we to really get back to what we'd always done, which was try to get uh, young folk into the team and, 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 and play them. And in, uh, in fact, I think I think Neil McCollum, I think, got a lot of runs that day, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he got top score for Fraserburgh with 73 in the cup final. Aye. Well, Neil would have been, uh, what was he now? 76 final uh, yes based on my notes you were captain 67 76 77 and then a couple of years the 80s into the 90s I as tried well to dodge, i tried to dodge it as much as i could well that's what i was going to say for a player who's <laughs> around as long as you were and as important for the club as you were that's not a lot of years to be captain did you not want to do no, it I, I don't, well it's up to the club to pick a captain but uh, i did I was usually the first thing to say, I propose so and so for captain, you can, and it wasn't me. <laughs> so that was, so it was, that was good. I, no, I, I, I just felt that uh, I was probably in plenty on the park in other ways, can? On, on trying to encourage youngsters to, to play and things like that. So, I, I, captain didn't mean, it was no, no big deal for me. Do you think it was to other people, or was it just one of those things that somebody some of them, had to do? Some of them are a wee bit uh, Some of them have, you know, sulked and things like that again, which is not a good sign. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, no, no, uh, I think uh, sometimes you succeed by getting somebody a shot to be captain, and it works. I think it's a bit of luck attached to being captain, to be quite honest with you, anyway. But uh, I, did, I did feel that after that, debacle and, uh, and, and relegate I felt that uh, I was kind of keen to and we're into grade two now come on let's get let's get let's get at it again I mean get let's try and do something mm-hmm. and uh, that's what happened actually so but it, it didn't last but it, it, it happened because we were, we're doing it in grade two for a long time and then grade three yeah and uh, and then we've been out of place but, but quite honest with you there was a period of time that uh, I think we could have been back up again with Neil and a few other things still, still being around again. Well, 
you've touched on it there. After you went down in, in 75, you never managed to make it back to grade one. How much of a, a disappointment was that for you? Was it something you cared about? Well, I was I cared about it, but I was always cared about as well is that the club were out recruiting young folk. Came down. They were bringing them in. In fact, I felt like the old grizzly himself, you know. But, uh, but I really did, I did, uh, I was encouraged by, now even if we were playing in, in grade two and grade three, cricket team was on the park and they were doing something. And we've got a number of guys come through the system. One of the other things that we've done, we've been, uh, we've lost a lot of our players to other teams. So that was a bit discouraging that Sometimes we've got a good player, a good fast bowler, say, or something like that. And if you can fire, or they were playing for Ellen, or playing for Inverurie, or forever, can Because Inverurie and Ellen were in a higher league, if you understand what I'm saying. Yeah. So we were kind of looked on by other teams. Oh, wait a minute, there's a good, good bowler for a broch, or a good batsman for a broch. And they, they just simply, uh, they weren't playing a higher league, and that was fine. And I mean, that... Uh, but that, that we suffered a wee bit for that when we were playing in lower leagues, especially with young players. And Aberdeen, actually, was a, was a period of time that they went through the Aberdeen teams, really struggling to get youngsters involved. The Broch was miles above anybody else in getting young folk involved in, it, in their team. And that's been consistent, I think, you know, by and large over the years. That's a contribution we've made, you can't, I mean. Uh, but the, one of the difficulties you've got is... If you're still in grade two or grade three, and you've got somebody who's really coming on and a fast bowler or a good batsman, or whatever, and other teams watch them as well. Mm. And they kind of maybe recruit uh, in their own area. They'll um, say, well, you want to play for, you know, you're, you're working in Aberdeen, you can even just play for us or whatever. I mean, so we, we did suffer a wee bit for that. We still did suffer a bit for that. You can play us. Uh, uh, leaving the uh, Broch, probably going towards Everdeen to play, uh, sorry, to work, and then being picked up by one of the teams when I got there. So it's, uh, it, you could call it loyalty or near loyalty or whatever, but I mean, to be quite honest with you, some of them were just wanting to play in their standard of cricket. Huh? Yeah. It's understandable. Even when you know, you mentioned you're going between grade two and grade three. You personally were still managing to contribute. You got the, the grade three batting average in 1980, oh. the grade two bowling average in 1981. Just shows you how poor they were here in all money. Still, still there with, with no eyesight or nothing like, you know, no peace and no eyesight. Can't. So yeah, that showed you how poor it was, eh? But how do you look back on, like, the 80s and that time? Because, like you say, there was all this happening off the pitch and the success wasn't coming the same way on the pitch, but you must have still been enjoying it before you were playing and, well, and doing Well, I was enjoying well. it, all right. But I was enjoying it if I could see somebody come in and take in four wickets and he was 17 or 18-year-old bowler. That's really helped me, can't I mean? Hmm. To feel good about it, can't I? Good about the club and so on. But I was I wanted to hang on to as many of the good players as we could, you can, youngsters and see them develop. And then it wasn't very happy when they said, oh, we're getting, metal, we're getting a loss of scene. You usually heard about the AGM time. Oh, so-and-so is a what to play for Ellen, or so-and-so is a what to play for Inverurie, or so-and-so is a what to play for a team in Aberdeen, because he can somebody and he's a pal in Aberdeen. You know, that kind of stuff. I mean, this I, disappoint you, but you just got to talk it into your stride, don't you, really? You can't even hang about it. It's... Uh, 
and they're like a, they're like signing like the like a football teams okay? mm. so was there a point that your focus changed do you think from maybe winning games and winning trophies to just bringing through the next generation I think so and uh, it's, I mean I used to be uh, you maybe in the Kenwally Hall did you Kenwally Hall uh, no, I don't think so. Actually, he was he was a match secretary for us for years, and and Willie was one of these stalwarts which uh, our clubs need. You can I mean, he was doing the uh, marking of wickets and sorting our hangout and our hangout organised. Can so that was a that was a great help in all because uh, there's a number of folk get involved like that, and Willie was one of them, and uh, he was a keen to to help as well. So there was a, there was a handful of folk or or. or uh, I looking to be positive, can't I mean, in trying to build a club. Actually, we've, over the years, you know, we've, we've won the, there's a trophy for, uh, it's like a play fair thing, can But the club has won a cup, a trophy, about five or six times. Mm-hmm. And for a while, we treat the opposition and we play the game right, can't I mean? When they, when they, Sutton and bottles in the middle of the pitch and all this kind of stuff, which some teams do. <laughs> you know I mean? So we're, we're kind of proud of the way we conduct ourselves as well. Yeah, it's important. Yeah, and uh, I think it's important, and uh, and the club thinks it's important. Now, a lot of the youngsters know, uh, like the boys and I. I mean, they're they're, they're good with opposition. You know what I mean? Yeah. To make friends, the dance, the nice buddy, you know that. And I think that's that's a bit uh, that's been instilled into the club as well for a number of folk, like you know, over the years, which is good, positive instead of negative. Can I? But there is some clubs is very negative. Can sure. I can imagine. So it's like nothing else. Oh, I tell you uh, a crack out of a story. If you ever look up your history books, there's a lot of games in the way back in the old days. Peter uh, Head versus Fraserburgh. And it almost finished in wars, you realise that, Ken? I'm no joking. Um, there was times when the block was stoned out of Peter Reed and they had to run for their lives and all this kind of stuff. Uh, there's a lot of stories away in the, away in the, this is a, a way back in the well, history. <laughs> Did you ever come across a game like that? Not yeah, really, no. No, I don't think so. But uh, there, was a, there was really, uh, there was keenly fought, Ken, I mean, so, shock horror, Peter Head versus Fraserburgh, Fraserburgh versus Peter Head. <laughs> it didn't stop in the vid, my bitch. So, there's been, there's, it's, all, it's, it's written stuff and all that kind of uh, things against me. It, we didn't actually declare war on Peter Head or anything like that, but it was here, I think. <laughs> <laughs> I think we, the trouble was we were winning, that was a problem. That's long before my time, this is about 1900 or something like that. Now. Sure, okay. Uh, uh, Liam, Liam's got access to a lot of that stuff, he's been able to dig out stuff. He's, he's, he acts as a kind of, what we'll go for, and he says, oh, you'll mind, and I say, no, I say, what year was it? Oh, it was one of the last, 1910 or something, I said, oh, no, no, I think it was... <laughs> William tries to wind me up sometimes. <laughs> it, it's interesting though you're talking about the the culture side of things because when I had uh, a chat with Paul O'Neill for this podcast, yeah. Aye, he, Paul, he, well, he started playing around about 1991. At that point, there was yourself, there was Ian McCallum, there was still Marshall Bell there, right. and and right. he, he very much pointed to you guys as being the mentors. You know, did you ever have a a conversation with? 
the likes of Ian McCallum or Marshall Bell about this is what we have to do now? Yeah, I think there's, it hadn't been as conscious as that. I think it was a, it was, it was a keenness to make sure the club carried on and were carried on introducing young folk into cricket and things like that. I think that was a matter of culture. But I think they saw it. I mean, uh, Ian McCallum has gotten a number of times and so on. And he, he, the right attitude. You can't come in. One loss, a draw, you whatever. You know, there's no bitterness or anything like that. And I think it was good. And for young folk, sets an example to them, doesn't it? You no. know. And so there's no there's balling and shouting and cricket bats flying about near as there is in some games and they've got a disciplinary committee now in, a, in their grades and and McCollum sits in it now and again and he, <laughs> he tells me some wild tales about things that were almost uh, you know which is crazy for a game of cricket God's sake so uh, McCollum sits in in some of that uh, disciplinary things and they've now started to get a solicitor's knowing and all that kind of stuff oh yeah you know. Christ almighty, I used to see McCollum when I meet him quietly. <laughs> Once you start getting solicitors in and stuff like that for a, for a game of cricket, God help us again. So, I guess there's nothing to do with us now, this is just to do an observation of, of some of the things that's been going on in the league, yeah? in the leagues, I would say. Of course. On that kind of note then, how do you think cricket changed from you know, your early days in the 50s through to, well, we're now talking about the 90s. <laughs> yeah. I think I stopped in about 2000, I think, or 2001 or something. I can't remember when I stopped. It's about that time, I think. But I'll tell you what's happened, really, there's been a death of help for cricket in Aberdeenshire, in, in Aberdeen City. Aberdeen City, really, and the clubs there, Probably have to do with they've been using council grounds and all the rest. A lot of them haven't got their own grounds apart from Grammar and Cordonians. Can't I mean? But most of the clubs in Aberdeen area have just got to turn up on a Saturday and play and all the rest of it. So there's been very little opportunity for practice and things like that. You can in Aberdeen. Hmm. And what's happened is uh, there are a lot of the people who've moved into Aberdeen who have background in either Pakistan or whatever. And you'll find now that a lot of them are absolutely mad keen cricket. Can I mean? So what you find is that uh, a lot of them are playing in the teams now. Some of the teams for Aberdeen area, for example, you look, if you look at six, seven, eight sometimes, people like that, Indian or Pakistan backgrounds. Can? So a lot of people moved into Aberdeen probably because of the oil industry and setting up... Uh, uh, restaurants and things like that you know that's a big thing in the last 15-20 years I would say but you've got very little growth for the, if you've got the youngsters coming through that are away from that uh, uh, area if you like if it, you know, okay. in other words uh, there would have been uh, quite a lot well we're not exclusive or not but Kintour and Vermeer tended to be father and son or you know I mean? a lot of that kind of stuff or encouraged doing in their own practice pitches and things like that now, Aberdeen has been a different pattern really right. so they've only had their, their game on a Saturday very often and uh, other than Grammar and uh, Gordonians not Shire now God thanks for Shire because Aberdeen Shire have realised that there's near enough young folk playing cricket in Aberdeen and they've really 
set about really trying to change some of that. And that's really good. They're not saying, oh, you're not in our club, you're not allowed you in to use their practice. Because they've got lovely practice, facilities and so on. So what Aberdeenshire has been doing as a club now is, is encouraging youngsters more and more to come in and use the club. At one time, Aberdeenshire tended to be a bit exclusive. Right, sure. And, uh, but no, they've recognised, everybody's recognised it, even the ones that say, no, 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 they, they, they need to encourage me or, uh, at a younger age and, and, and to come along and use it. They've all the facilities. So uh, I'm encouraged to fit their attitude is now. And they say there's nothing to do with that, and their folk coming in, but there's hardly any locals being played. <laughs> so the next generation that comes out, there's negative ones falling in Aberdeen. Yeah. Well, you mentioned that one of the ways you can recruit is, you know, kids coming along with fathers. Obviously, you managed to play with your own son, Michael, for a little bit in the 90s. How was that? How, how was that as a moment for you? Oh, that, that's really good. Uh, I'm really pleased with that. I've never really... He, he played a lot of golf, do you know what I mean? That, that little boy you hit and run after it or something, I don't care. Anyway, but uh, I never really pushed it harder than I got till he came along and said I wouldn't mind coming and doing all the rest of it, which was great. I was really chuffed at that. But he, when he was 14, 15, for I would have been coming down to the Brock Critic Club, he wasn't really coming down, he was playing golf, you know, his pals. Right. So really he was about 15, 16, or and then he wanted to come down, which is important. It's never like me saying to him <laughs> to come down, if you understand. Yeah, yeah, you didn't want to push it on him. No, because uh, if you went to, your pals are playing golf, you wouldn't play golf and all, which is quite right. As long as you play sport, that's great. But uh, no, and, and really I'm encouraged by... We make a lot. I'm very proud of him, really. You know why? How he's stepped in there and done a lot of things now, which I feel it is, is carrying a lot, and a lot of traditions. He's dead keen to get young folk in and on into club and all the rest of it. It's quite funny for I, for I hear him saying I'm six. I'm just saying, yes, God, there is going to be a future after all, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose th- there was a time around about the 90s, maybe the very early 2000s, that that was in doubt, though, so it is important. Oh, it is important, aye, absolutely. And uh, it's, and I suppose it's uh, it's always good to be, to regenerate and find ways of encouraging people to come and, uh, and play a sport, you know what I mean? Mm. And uh, we are the competition, we are computers and all the rest of it. Yeah, it's, uh, there's a lot of things can attract folk now. I mean, there were a lot less things for us to think about, you know, when we were young, can yeah. When we were young, goodness me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, believe me, even I'm saying that now, and I feel like I sound so old. Ah, uh, well, once you get over 21, you've had it after that, like, you know. <laughs> So what was the, the sort of decisive factor in you finally deciding to stop playing? Was it just you felt like you were getting too old for it? Well, I, I felt in a way, because we had a number of encouraging young folk coming in, and I'm saying, I take them one here and go 10 or 15 hours or whatever again. I was still able to do it, and I was still able to play reasonably. And the same with the button. I, I put myself a wad in the button order, or sometimes I would say to the captain, for God's sake, put me in about eight or nine or something like that. Now, normally, I was never the, the top 
three or four, you get what I mean? Sure. But, but, uh, and, uh, and I felt it was still doing good if I could pass on some good tips and all the rest of it, you get what I mean? But reached a point for, I think, uh, come to me and uh, there was some folk in the able to get a game at the weekend and I was playing and I says, again, this is not good. Let it stop. Uh, I mean, it's very important that these guys come on and play than me, you know, for, for whatever, okay? So I, I kind of, it's not a big deal or anything like that. I just says, no, I'll, I'll stop at the end of the season and that'll be it, okay? So I'll still keep an interest in the club. I'm, I'm still been president, vice president, and all this kind of dip again. But uh, I'll stop with playing that way, okay? Did you feel like you were ready to go at that point, though? <laughs> it feels like it was. It sounds like it was very much based on helping the next generation. But did you well, want I to go? Well, that time, for that good, for that good offer was probably. Uh, I was just taking a place in a way. I felt I was just falling a place, which is no use really. Uh, you've got to be. There's got to be some development in there, or something else, or some other purpose. Okay? Which is, which was, hey. Listen, then I tell nobody, but I'll be 80 uh, in next week. You think I should maybe stop playing cricket? <laughs> well, like you say, though, you've kept involved behind the scenes. You were president for, it must have been about 14, 15 years, something like that. Something like that, aye. aye. Oh, that's not a chore at all. It's not a chore. I really can't tell I did if you've been sarcastic. I did a lot of coaching and often earlier, I did a fair bit of coaching. I've got a couple of just quick last questions for you. What was your favourite ground to play at? Oh, that was Manifield. Absolutely Manifield, Aberdeenshire ground. Is there any particular reason? Just, it it was predictable. I mean, the, the, the wickets there, they're full-time groundsmen, and the wickets are not, you can't what you're going to get. When you're out there, when you're batting the wrangles, it's it's predictable. Can I mean you can what you're going to? And I, I don't know if you're a batsman at dawn, which I'm not really, but if, I mean you can it. Uh, it'll be your own fault if you get out. Sure. Okay. <laughs> That's what I look at. Can kind of blame the pitch, <laughs> but uh, it's a really really nice wicket. I really like like Manifield. Well, you're talking about batting there. Is there a standout innings that you had that's, that comes to mind? Well, I mean, playing in a grade select game uh, against uh, Aberdeen, grade select. I was playing with Ian McRae. I wouldn't have been in that you like, but Ian McRae was rugby international and all. Uh, played for Stony, Stonywood. And uh, this is a while back and whatever. But there was a few reasonable players that day. And we were playing against Aberdeenshire's first and I was opening the button with Ian McRae. Ian McRae was lightning fast. He was a scrum half for Scotland. He played 11 internationals. So among the threes we ran that day, I'll tell you, I never can earn it. But we've got about 129 or something for an opening partnership against Everdeen Shares. Both. And that was, a, that, was a, that was a for starters, Ken. And it was done at, I mean, running a five <laughs> at, at, at Moneyfield. I've never been so bloody tired in all my life again. I five. I said to Ian McRae, I said, look, this is a bloody Scottish rugby team you play for now. I says, a poor yokel for Fraser but you're running with the other end. So I was, that was one I really enjoyed because we just, we just 
took them apart really can I, when he's satisfying things can how about with the balls is there a particular spell bowling that stands out to you oh there was a there was a team uh, at, see at teams called St Ronald's I used to hear the, the, the oh, I used to hear the sign over them can they would say Oh, it's plenty of day. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, getting eight for 12 against uh, uh, St. Ronald's one day. That's not bad, is it? I would take that. <laughs> I'd certainly take that. Oh, I, 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 was, I was in there, I mean, but uh, St. Ronald's was, uh, I, I could do near on against St. Ronald's. And I, I just, uh, I don't care it was. It was just a team you love to play against again. And it usually worked out, in the bowling sense, it usually worked out there. You know. Sure. Who do you think was the best player you played with in all your years? Oh, well, best thing I've played against is Rohan Conway, and he played for West Indies. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, I would say, ooh, that's, a, that's too difficult a, difficult a question. And uh, there's a, quite a lot of good players in the grade, and so on. Well, who comes to mind then? Who are the options? If you don't have to pick just one. Well, I just kind of think I've had... Ian McRae was a good bat, but uh, I, I could bowl to him because I can't... what he couldn't do. Sure. Uh, and so that's not very fair because he didn't usually score a lot of runs against us because what about Wendy and saying over him because I can't... what his weaknesses were, can mm. And uh, you cannot get away that flying start of your bowler. Um, no, there's a number of numbers. There's a guy called, I got George Duncan, I tell you, it started the, the, the club after the war. Mm -hmm. I got George Duncan. He could hit a drive, and I'm not joking. He didn't just hit a hundred or nothing else, because he was a big, hairy gentleman, and he, and he worked at tool works, and he was dead clean in his cricket. And uh, he was really, did a lot of work uh, to get the broch going after the war. And I mean once uh, coming down to practice. And God almighty, you watch your shins, you watch your thing. He, he was one of these guys, and if he saw a ball there the head, he hit it. Mm. <laughs> so for the local point of view, I, I would say uh, George, George Duncan. What would you say then, and this might be another difficult one for you, is the highlight, or maybe a couple of highlights, of your career? Well, winning the cup in Aberdeen was good. Uh, that was really good. But uh, oh, there's a number of things. Winning leagues, and that's half a good. And when you, but you feel really each team played well together. Remember, the team did all what Everybody did something that was really great. That's when I felt best again. And everybody mucked down and did something. Somebody took a brilliant catch or somebody did something, you know, and, and, and it was maybe a young lad that really made my day. Like, that was good. Right, last one then for you, Ian. What's your top tip for anybody starting out in cricket? Just come down and find out, find out about it. And you'll get every encouragement. With, if there is a phrase that I know, we've got young folk here, uh, and including my son. And... Uh, Good stuff. Yeah, I think I've taken up more than enough of your time. Thank you so much for talking to me. Really yeah, appreciate well. it. Cheers now. Thanks a lot, Andrew.
It was great to hear Ian talking about all those stories and I'm really so thankful to him for giving up his time to have this chat with me. I learned so much about the club from the 50s and the 60s and the 70s. He's been affiliated with the club for around about 65 years so there's a wealth of knowledge there, a wealth of stories that we didn't even have the time to tap into but I'm sure whenever I see Ian down at the pitch side on a match day, I will get the chance to ask him a few more questions if he doesn't mind me bothering him about it. That just about wraps us up for another episode of the Fraserburgh Cricket Club Chronicles. But before I go, if anybody out there is listening and is interested in becoming a part of Fraserburgh Cricket Club, practices have started up again, weather permitting, on Wednesday evenings. And there's also going to be the All-Stars and Dynamos programme running for kids over the summer months. If you're interested in finding out more about any of those things, you can get in touch with the club on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. We'll be back next week with another all-new episode of the Fraserburgh Cricket Club Chronicles. Until then, have a good week and thank you once again for listening.